All right. Well, if you guys listened to the Monday episode, he is back here for part two. Um, it's been quite a while since we actually recorded part one. Um, that was before the tip, the first Tampa Pro uh, prep. Uh, yeah, I would consider New York Pro to be Tampa Pro number two. Um, and so, how has? Let's just get a recap over how, at least, life has been. You know, coming out of prep and everything sure. new goals for new goals for bodybuilding and stuff yeah um so coming out of prep is always fairly easy for me i've been doing it so long um i usually have a free meal you know that evening and then i'm right back on my plan like i just don't really crave that much but i think that's just from doing it for years um also my diet was only four weeks long so um even like less i think it was i don't know 23 days or something but um, when that happens, you know, and you're not dieting as long, like you don't, you don't have all those cravings as much. So I hopped right back in. I actually, I'm going to take a deload this week. Finally, I think okay. it's been maybe 12 weeks. Uh, I've probably surpassed what I should have done. <laughs> My lower back's been tight. I've got a dry needling appointment set up. Um, but really the goal is to bring something new next year. Um, the judges want me a little fuller. I come in really dry and you know, that's great, but they want me a little fuller. Yep. And I can do that. Um, and uh, I think what I'll do is probably hit around late late August, September, October, November shows, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, so I give myself ample time. A full year, basically. Yeah. Yep. To do what I need to do. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of pros never do that. I feel like that's very uncommon nowadays to see pros that take a full year off. I think a lot of them chase points. And I may do that at some point, but I still have a seven-year-old. Um and I think just dieting all year um, won't be the best for that, for that, you know, situation right now. Um, so I'll probably just pick, you know, I'll do one diet, pick some shows, hit them and to go from there. But I think at some point, maybe I'll chase points, but this I'll run, I'll probably just, you know, try to do it by, by winning and, and, and let it, let it ride next year. So. Yeah. And then how's, how's a uh, Scooby prep going too? I see there's been a few coaches that follow me um, yeah. and it seems to be, growing quite quite rapidly actually yeah you know scooby press been going well i've brought on three or four new coaches maybe even since we talked last uh i just had a lot of inquiries that i couldn't field all of them and so you know that's when you kind of scale and you know take care of the demand and um, bring on coaches you know and so they all kind of got their their own strengths and i'm still taking people and um you know it's uh it's kind of one of those things where um it's, it's good growth, but I'll tell you, November, December is kind of slower. You know, you have people drop off for, for yep. Thanksgiving, Christmas, they want to save money and I get it. Um, but other than that, yeah, we're growing well. So I, I have no complaints. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in quite the same boat. Clients could have dropped, but I actually added like three clients in the past few months. Nice. So to kind of see, I doubled the team basically of mm -hmm. me keeping it still small slow growth. That's kind of how I preach things. Um, especially with what we were talking about before with the whole job and everything to kind of yep. make sure I'm still slowly increasing my scalability, uh, which yep. is something that I listened to in the last podcast that you guys just dropped, which helps a lot with it. Yeah. Yeah. So slow growth is the best growth. Um, and bringing back your, your prep. I know a lot of people go through a lot longer prep. So today's yeah. topic is basically on what what you kind of at least try to help with which is yeah. hormones optimizing yeah. getting those back to optimal levels yeah. after what you do to your body through prep yeah. so um or just even a tough diet you know it doesn't have to yeah. be prep for the listeners out there um you know even a tough diet you know can hammer can hammer hormones and you know, all the metabolic adaptations that happen and you can have metabolic adaptation without a ton of hormone downregulation. but about 50 percent of people seem to get pretty crushed with their hormones and they don't come back. Everyone's get crushed from, from dieting and prepping, but some people don't snap back just from reverse dieting. Yeah. So what do you do? So I guess first question is what do you do with people who don't snap back right away with reverse dieting? Well, you know, you got to give it time, right? You know, so you give people about six months. So most people that contact me have already been with a coach who just upped carbs. Um, if they were smart, they pulled cardio down and, you know, pull them back on training which training pullback doesn't always happen. Some coaches leave people, you know, five, six days all year. Yep. And that kind of is a problem when you're trying to restore hormones. 
But, um, you know, so my first thing when I get people is, you know, I, I examine how many days are they training? You know, how are they still in a caloric deficit? Um, you know, how are they sleeping? How's their gut? Before I really ever throw in supplements, you know, I do a big analyzation and we kind of look at those things and those things all have to be fixed um, and kind of taken care of uh, at first. But the biggest thing with a lot of this is a lot of these hormonal problems are stress induced. Yeah. Um, and so you got to start to take, peel back the stress. And one of these ways to do that as a coach is to pull back on training and to pull back on cardio. Yeah. So they, so like the first week when they're done their show, are they, I'm guessing they're not really in the gym that much. I'm going to assume. No, I usually tell people, listen, take four or five days off and then get in touch with me. Try not to eat like an asshole, but you're, you know, you're going to have that window where, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty bulletproof. Um, you can have plenty of meals out. Just, you know, don't pig out and binge and you're going to be fine and hit me up in four to five days. And then we start looking at things and, you know, a lot of women, I put the four days a week and maybe pull the RPE down seven, eight, um, you know, men too. I'll say, let's do four days. Let's, let's pull your cardio back and just kind of decompress. But some days off after the show um, is definitely what most people need. Um, and then, you know, they just need to be scaled back all together on cardio um, all that. So the body can start sleeping better as you bring up calories and all that. So awesome. Well, I guess that kind of leads to one of the first bullet points that I kind of was going to talk about, which is optimizing uh, cortisol. Yeah. Uh, talk about, you want to talk about managing stress because I actually was just learning about this yesterday um, in my hormone classes talking about um, adrenal dysfunction and all this that happens when yep. You just get cortisol after cortisol, cortisol, and then yep. it just completely just zeroes out. Bottoms out. Yeah. Um, so, let's talk about how do you how do you go about optimizing someone's cortisol levels through yep. managing stress, and yep. then we'll go into another. Yep. We can start there. Yeah. So you know that's important because a lot of hormonal problems stem from stress um, and cortisol being left too high. Yep. not burning it up, not metabolizing. I mean, our bodies were meant for acute stress, you know, uh, think running from the lion, you know, the cortisol releases, we run, burns it up. The lion doesn't chase, get us hopefully. And it comes back down, you know, and so it's done, but we live in a society where, you know, stress, unfortunately has become more of a, a of an all day thing. And, um, some people are more prone to these issues. So, um, you add diet and you add training on top of an already, almost full stress bucket. And then you kind of get stuck in flight or fight situation where cortisol is just high because cortisol in itself isn't bad. I mean, it regulates blood pressure. It helps give us energy when we need it, all those things, but it is bad when it's left elevated. Um, so, you know, I already kind of touched on it, but you know, if someone comes to me and they've got, you know, um, you in women, you'll see low progesterone. Um, so that makes them estrogen dominant right off the bat, even if their estradiol is in range. Um, you know, you'll see low testosterone. So, um, you know, what I do right away is, um, I pull training back and, and the more, the more problems someone has, the less training days they're going to get. So if I review labs and, you know, there's five issues where maybe they're, you see liver elevated a lot, you'll see uh, free T3, either sluggish, meaning it's, it's in range, but on the, in the twos, low twos, or it's low, um, you know, they'll have gut dysfunction, um, the more issues they have, the less training they get from me. So I, I've had people where I have to pull them all the way out of training and maybe the yoga to people that are allowed to do, you know, four days a week. But either way, usually I pull, uh, pull it back in terms of effort about 30%. Yeah. So how okay. do you go, how do you go about with people? Um, because I feel like if you took the gym out of me, it might not yeah. be, I mean, it's cause I'm probably in a good spot, but if you took the whole gym and put me into yoga, I feel like I'd be way yeah. more stressed out because gyms usually not left for a lot of people. So what's like, so how's that conversation you go when you have to tell people yeah. you have That's to a good take them back? So here's the deal. Someone that bad, they're contacting me because they've already spent thousands on doctors. Yeah. They've already been through two or three coaches and I, they know that I have a reputation for helping fix this shit. So they're like, well, I really don't want to do that, but I understand that I have to. And so I usually give people a roadmap before they even hire me. You know, I say, this is going to be a bitch. This is going to be difficult. It's probably one of the hardest things you do. But if you don't do it, you're going to be getting in touch with me in eight months and you're going to have now nine problems. Yeah. So, you know, and then I send out a form called a metabolic stress questionnaire. And that, that helps people because 
um, anything that scores 50 or higher to problems with your metabolic processes from ears, eyes, and nose, all the way from sleep to gut to anxiety down to digestion, it, it marks all those. And when they get to 50, they're like, oh shit, you know, I'll get people that are at 75, 80, you know? And so I tell them, if you get near 50, we need labs and we're going to have to work on fixing you before you can diet. That's why you can't lose weight. That's also why you can't get calories up without getting fat. And so a lot of times those really tough cases where I'd have to just put them in yoga, they've already bounced around so many times and spent so many thousands of dollars that they're willing to give my idea a run. Okay. So it's pretty, so it's a pretty, basically it's a really forward conversation, but it's actually like they're, they're very accepting of it at that point. Yeah. I bet 90% of them in that condition say, all right, I'm I'm willing to do it. And then by the time I pull them down, you know, start flushing them, uh, supporting any of the functions with supplements, which we can get into. But, you know, once I start doing all that and they start feeling better, they get it. Like they know they're on the right track. You know, they start having regular bowel movements. Um, they start sleeping through the night. Uh, they're not as anxious. Uh, their acne goes away because the estrogen dominance issue is coming down if we're talking about women. Yep. Um, so, you know, it doesn't take too long for certain things to start happening that is good biofeedback that then I basically seize upon and say, Hey, we're not worried about losing weight. We're not worried about your aesthetics right now, but look at X, Y, and Z and those improvements. That's what we have to latch onto. And then, and then it clicks. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of tell them you're going to look worse before you look better type of deal. Correct. And, and some of them look better right away because I flush them with our Metapure. I get the liver detox working. They lose, you know, eight pounds of water just because they're so inflamed. They don't have the right vitamins and minerals because they're not malabsorbed. And our Metapure has so many in it that it's getting them what they need because it's, it's chock full. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, and, and even just having them train three days a week, if I have a client who I can leave on three days a week, once their gut heals and things like that, they start looking better anyways. You know, they're shocked, like, holy shit, I'm eating more, I'm doing less, and I'm actually tightening up, you know? Not everyone, there are people who who do put on five to eight pounds, but I don't have anyone who who just gains a ton of shitty weight in what we're doing, because it's it's a process, and it's done in stages. Yeah, and to kind of bring along the second thing I want to talk about with cortisol, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how much sleep actually plays a part in it. Um for everyone that, I mean, both of us are entrepreneurs in our own rights. Um, everybody's all about that, that grind hustle life. And it's all about, oh, I only slept four hours a night. That thing's going to come back to kill you. So what do you do when dealing with someone? You can go into supplementation, stuff like that. I'll let you ride. When someone just has, honestly, it just comes down to poor sleep. I feel like this yeah. might be something that's yeah. more common. This is what I see, at least in yes. my clients, is they're they're just, they just don't get great sleep. So how do you go about with someone who has either poor sleep or a poor sleep routine? So a lot of times poor sleep is, you know, cortisol spiking at night. So their, their circadian rhythm is backwards. So, you know, cortisol is supposed to spike in the morning around 8am to wake us up and get us prepared for our day, extra energy, get you going. And then over the day, it should spike and then come down to a low point at night so that you're ready to sleep. But in certain individuals, it can spike and then stay spiked. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of different like kind of patterns to it. But at the end of the day, a lot of those people who sit in bed, toss and turn and think they have high cortisol. And so what I do is a couple things. Um, we pull back training, as I talked about, you know, we've, we've, we've got to do that. We talk about the stresses in their lives. I'll have people do deep breathing techniques where like for 15 to 20 minutes, you know, maybe an hour before bed, I want them to go in, turn the lights off, you know, be in a quiet room, focus on their breathing and just be, stop thinking about things four seconds in, hold it for a second, four seconds out and just get in that groove. And that helps kick in parasympathetic. If someone's really bad, you can, you know, use blue glasses at night to kind of block that out from, you know, messing with your phone. Let's put those down. But, you know, if they're watching TV, and then another great way is to put carbs in um, at night because that's going to have more of a serotonin uh, spike. So put carbs in before bed. Um, so, you know, you can take whatever macro set they're on or what you have them on and redistribute. So they're not eating more food. They're just getting carbs before bed. And then I add in our cordies from New Ethics, uh, two caps pre-bed 
Um, it's got phosphatidyl serine. It's got some adaptogens, some things that, you know, will, will help bring that cortisol down and help them relax and sleep. So you do all those things <clears throat> and people get back to sleeping, sleeping well. And, yeah. um, you know, but those, a lot of things will check their bucket and they can do every one of those before they add cordies if they want. Um, but a lot of times when I'm dealing with someone with all the issues they have, I just, I basically recommend it all because I want them to sleep immediately. But, you know, just for the listeners out there, I told you about three or four things that you can do free um, to try to, to, to do that. Um, but you're right. Sleep's important, vastly important. Um, one night of impaired sleep can mess up um, just even insulin sensitivity and raise your blood glucose in the morning. Um, so, you know, you, you stack a bunch of nights of poor sleep. Now you're talking about hormonal problems and insulin insensitivity. And, uh, you know, that's not a good place to be as a physique athlete. Yeah. And that's basically going to lead me into the next hormone, which is insulin. Um, probably one of the most important ones up there. I would say it's like a top three, especially for bodybuilders. Um, so I guess you could, you could talk, you could just start with, since we're on the topic of sleep, how to sleep in alcohol. I feel like I've, I've started to learn about this and how, I mean, I changed my life. I'm now six, almost six months sober. Nice. Um, Good for you, man. So it's, I mean, I've had, I've Excellent. been great insulin sensitive now for yep. six months, but how does sleep and alcohol kind of affect the insulin system? Yeah. However, so, so what happens is when you're not sleeping well, inflammation rises. And so as inflammation rises, um, you know, you become less insulin sensitive. But what alcohol does is it, it doesn't allow you to get into really good REM and deep sleep patterns at night. So it's kind of poor sleep, to be honest with you. Um, you fall asleep fast, but if you're ever wondering why, you know, man, I fell asleep easy, I drank, um, I even slept almost to my alarm, but I just don't feel rested. It, didn't, it interferes with you getting into that deep sleep and that REM. And uh, it's been a minute since I studied it, but one of them, I believe REM is brain. Oh, I think that's awesome. REM is body rest and deep is brain rest. I might have that backwards, yeah. but either way, one of them is for the body and one of them is for the brain. And so if you're not getting both of those throughout your, your sleep, um, you know, you're not going to be well rested and it's going to feel like you didn't sleep and now you're interfering with insulin sensitivity. Um, and so over time, you know, that can be, uh, you know, affected and, uh, you know, that means more fat gain, uh, more, you know, fat around the midsection. Cause you're just not just, you know, disposing of your carbohydrates as well. You need more insulin when you become insulin insensitive. And if that's always circulating high, uh, you're more likely to shuttle to fat and things of that nature. And women, high insulin will also produce PCOS in some cases, which makes them androgen dominant. And then they get hereditism where they're growing hair on their belly, their face. Um, and then they might even get, you know, the cysts part of it too. Um, polycystic ovarian syndrome if, if, if it goes unchecked. Yeah. Um, and now I am in full fledged off season. Um, I am slowly gaining weight. And one thing that people become is insulin resistant. They might, they might go too far and become insulin resistant. We'll discuss dealing with insulin resistance after this part, but how do you stay insulin sensitive, especially yeah. now you being in the off season, um, yeah. keeping the body prime with carbs. Um, you can go into strategies over, yeah. Anything so, from exogenous steroids to anything on this? Yeah. So there's a lot of ways. I mean, here, yeah. uh, you know, on the natural side, you know, glucose disposal agent will work nice. Um, you know, there's berberine, uh, you know, there's chromium polynicotinate. There's, there's a slew of them. There's um, uh, N-acetylcysteine. Uh, there's just a ton that will help. Um, our GDA max has, you know, like four or five, six of them put together and, um, it works really well. Um, there's a slew of them on the market, um, but they do work, but they're not really selective per se. Like, you know, you could still feed fat storage as well. Where like metformin is selective to muscle. Yep. Um, so you can use metformin. That's a prescription, but you can get it online pretty easy. It does, I think work the best. Um, but we're talking prescription. So, some people are natural, may not want to use that. Um, 
even small doses of insulin itself, exogenous insulin, like Humalog, which is fast acting. If you take just, you know, two, three, four units for a few of your bigger carb meals, that's going to let your beta cells re rest. Yep. And therefore that's going to reset them and can help too. There are some doctors out there who it's not prevalent, but they actually will help try to fix type two diabetics, which is small one to two IU doses of insulin per meal to let those beta cells rest for a month or two um, because they're, they're so taxed from pushing out insulin because of the insulin insensitivity. Um, you know, carb timing helps. I'm a big carb timer. I take in about 600 right now and I do uh, about 300 around training, maybe even 350 of it. Yeah. Um, so I take it when I need it. And then in my off days, my carbs drop to about 300 and I put my fats up a little more. And so on those days I'm resetting cause my body's like, Oh wow. You know, I'm, it's half the load, the glycogen load it's used to. Um, while we're talking about insulin sensitivity, growth, growth hormone makes it worse. So that's why a lot of bodybuilders add insulin with it. If you're going to use growth hormone, you might be better off doing like on your training days and then taking two or three days off of it. Yeah. Um, or a big bolus dose on really weak parts and then taking even more days off of it if you're not using insulin. Um, and then some hit cardio kept in in the off season. Even maybe two times a week at five intervals will help not only your heart health, but will help insulin sensitivity. Um, I, I, do, um, I do 10 minute walks after every single yeah. meal. I, yeah. that's, that's helped me. I know significance, like I get hungrier quicker. Sure. Everything processes sure. a lot better. Yeah, if you got the time to do that, I really don't. But if you got the time to do yeah. that, that's awesome. Um, you know, but yeah, extra cardio will help a little bit, but you got to balance it with what you're trying to do if you're trying to grow. Um, trying to think if there's any other strategies uh, that I use. Um, okay, well, obviously steroids are going to help. Like any steroid is going to make you process food more efficiently. I feel like Primo is a really good one on the light side. Um, you know, it seems like when you use it, your, your blood sugars drop and you'll feel a little more hypo episodes. So, you know, it's, it's improving your, your response to insulin. And then trend of course will do that as well, but it's one of the harsher drugs. Um, and it puts a lot of stress on the body too, but it, you'll churn through your carbs a little harder there too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I gave four or five strategies that a lot of people could use there. So, so I think I, I covered that pretty well. Now, of course, the last one I didn't say anything was about was if you do screw up and you, and you become, you know, insulin resistant, you see your blood glucose starting to rise over a hundred um, when you're fasted and then it's not returning back to under a hundred, you know, three hours post meal diet, you know, diet, dieting will put you back into insulin sensitivity. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you got to cut calories. Usually um, you can try, to shove some of the carbs into fats and keep your calories the same. That'll work for about 20% of people, it seems like, but most people just at the end, if they're having those, you know, 100, 100 uh, you know, readings or higher on their blood glucose, they need to just diet some too. Yeah. Um, and, and that'll reset you. So. so do you do, so sometimes in the off season, do you do a bit of a aggressive kind of mini cut type thing? I never really deal? need to. I'm always okay. lean and I, and I use the strategies that I told you. Um, and so I never really, my pumps never fade. Um, I'm always feeling anabolic and, um, I don't really need to. Now there are days when I'm just not hungry and sometimes I just roll with it. If I've had, you know, three or four weeks of hitting my 600 and I just come to an off day or something, I'm not super hungry and I only get 200 carbs in and more fat or something. I'm fine with it, okay. but I don't really have to spend weeks of dieting because I just, my body just kind of stays lean with all the strategies I gave you. Yeah. And now I know we're talking about, um, you talked about maybe exogenous insulin, yep. uh, people that can also lead to insulin resistance, right? Actually, a especially if you take Lantus or something that's circulating yep. and Lantus is a slower one. So, you, so it's, it's like basically pushing out insulin from your pancreas all day. Yep. Um, but Humalog hits fast and it's gone. Okay. It, it pikes, it spikes in an hour and then it's pretty quickly gone. Um, so, if you use small amounts, like I was saying, like some, you know, doctors who are really ahead of the curve, you're letting those beta cells relax and it's not enough that it's circulating that it's going to cause insulin insensitivity. But those who use Lantus uh, or any longer acting um, insulin for any amount of time, yeah, you're going to become less insulin sensitive because it's just circulating all day. Okay.
Awesome. And then what would, what would be, if you look on someone's blood work, whether it's for, I mean, well, daily, we'll talk about daily things real quick. I guess optimal levels for daily blood glucose to kind of mm-hmm. get these readings. Um, what are the optimal yeah. levels for these yeah. readings? Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to see someone, you know, their morning blood glucose be anywhere from 78 to 85. Okay. Um, but even I, you know, I'm probably like 92, uh, 94 somewhere. Um, so, you know, there is something called Don phenomenon and I'm a little more prone to it. And some people may be as well. So if you see a hundred or you see 99, check your postprandial about three hours after you eat. And if you're dropping back into the eighties, nineties, you're fine. You just have a little Don phenomenon and you can get Don phenomenon, which is just higher blood glucose, um, from being dehydrated. Yeah. So you can literally just hydrate and it comes down. I'll see people who need diuretics for whatever, for health reasons or whatever, their morning will be, be high. They hydrate, get a food in them, and it's actually lower the rest of the day. What you can do in those situations is check your A1C. That's your three-month average um, of your blood glucose um, numbers. And you want that at 5.3 or less. If you're coming in there, you're fine. You might just have some dawn phenomenon going on if, you're, if your morning is, um, is morning is a little elevated. Yeah. Um, so do you recommend people eat like first thing in the morning? Um, one thing I find at least with myself is I allow myself to get, I mean, this is, I mean, just like extend the fast a little bit after sleeping for like eight and a half hours. Um, at least for the first like hour and a half that I'm usually up, I don't, I try not to eat. I might take my greens, but that's like the only calories that I might take in during that time. It depends on the person. It okay. really does. Um, if I want to lean out, that's one of my first strategies because then I only eat five meals. But that's yeah. just because I'm only eating five meals. Okay. Um, if someone has digestion issues, I like it. Um, we extend the time frame that their 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 you know uh, GI tract doesn't have to work. Um, but if someone's trying to grow and they're hungry when they wake up, I don't see any reason to intermittent fast. Okay. Um, and especially people who have like hormonal issues um, are known to cortisol problems. I think it's a bad idea. Okay. Um, you want to get food in, um, lower stress to the body, get serotonin levels, nice and lower, um, just all of it. So there's a time and place for intermittent fasting, but you'll never see me recommend it as a plan to someone. Yeah. I typically just eat whenever Aside I from having issues. It's yeah. not like I'm like, Oh, everyone should intermittent fast. Here's, here's my program. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. Awesome. But uh, I understand what you're doing if you're trying to lose fat um, or just find a fat loss window. Yeah. It, it does work, but I'm not a fan of not eating till noon or anything on a, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. I can never, I, I don't think now after eating like five, six meals a day, I don't think I could wait until noon. I would just feel worse if I had to fit six meals in. You know, like I use L-carnitine, injectable L-carnitine for fat loss. Like I could literally get up, take that, um, hit one IU of insulin to drive it in the mitochondria and go walk my dog. And I will immediately start burning fat. Yeah. So if I wanted to wait an hour, like you're saying, there is a window there to burn. Um, I just don't really, um, I'm not really interested in intermittent fasting as a plan for my people. Yeah. Either. I don't recommend it either to any of my clients unless it's absolutely needed. There's some tool Uh and some need for it. Yeah. Uh, so next one I want to go into, um, we'll touch on testosterone last because I mean, it's the overall general, everybody thinks it's the main thing. Um, but a big one is your thyroid. So if you want to go into what is your thyroid hormones, kind of just give a, if you give a quick rundown, just how it works. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot. No, it's fine. Uh, so the hypothalamus starts with TSH releasing hormone. And then that talks to the pituitary that tells it to release TSH. So the thyroid starts in the brain. Yep. And then the TSH uh, speaks to the thyroid and has it release T4. T4 has to convert to T3. Uh, and then T3 is the most active hormone to run the thyroid. And when you're looking at labs, you really want to look at TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and at least TPOAB so you can spot like Hashimoto's and any autoimmunity issues attacking um, the thyroid. And if I didn't say reverse T3, you want to look at that too. Yeah. So what does, what does reverse T3? Cause every, cause everything, at least that I've learned in my hormone class, it never actually touched on reverse T3. Yep. So 
Yeah. What does T? What is reverse T three? Okay, so it's 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 important to understand first what free T three is. So you've got total T three numbers you might see on labs, but total is is literally what it says. It's all of the the T three circulating. But what you really want to look at is free T three, and that's the usable form. Okay, so that's the form that's really you know able to you know attach and 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 fuel the, the metabolic processes. Yep. Okay, so. I rarely ask for total because it's just another expense and I want to know free. I want to know the usable form. How much do they have? Um, so what happens with reverse is in times of stress, there are certain individuals whose body uses the thyroid to downregulate out of sympathetic overdrive. So they will convert T4 to an unusable form of T3. And that's what reverse is, is measuring. Okay. So what's going on is it's a lot of times people stuck in sympathetic overdrive. Again, their, their cortisol is probably going to be high. They're super stressed. They're training too hard on top of all the other stress of life, too much cardio, under eating, all this, and you'll see reverse T3 go high. Um, so I like to say anything under 16, I'm cool with, you know, we'll monitor it. Anything over 16, um, there's a stress response going on and we probably should, you know, look to reduce stress and see how we can do that most efficiently. And usually that's pulling back on training, getting car calories up, usually from carbohydrates and, um, you know, pulling back on any crazy cardio or anything that they're doing. Okay. Um, so that's what reverse T3 is measuring. Okay. Um, and then what go into a bit more about some signs and stuff, looking at how you kind of attack um, hypo and hyperthyroidism because these so are two first off, hypo means that it's, it's underperforming. It's yep. sluggish, you know, um, people who are hypo are going to be colder. You know, a lot of them have gut problems because thyroid, everything's connected and thyroid helps feed efficiency and move food through. So, you know, if you have low thyroid hormones, a lot of times they have gut problems. It might just be slow digestion, but if it's gone on for years, they might have SIBO or something because the food sits and ferments they might have acid reflux. It all it all goes together. Yeah, and has I'm to dropping I'm dropping an episode next week on gut health with uh, Sue. So okay. guys, be on the lookout if you're on yeah. for that one. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so you know that's what hypo. You know, there's a lot of hypo symptoms. Um, are, you're cold. You're you're depressed or can feel depressed. Um, you could even see like hair shedding, um, things of that nature. Um, hyper means that you're running too fast. So you're going to usually see diarrhea, um, or loose stools. Um, you're going to see a heart palpitations, anxiety, things of that nature. I rarely in the people that we are working with see hyper. Okay. Um, if they do, they probably might have Graves' disease, which is another autoimmunity issue, and it all starts in the gut, um, which Sue can kind of give you guys, some, you know, some things. But you know, you want to look at leaky gut, close up the tight junctions, zinc, carnosine, glutamine, uh, pull out uh, gluten. Gluten causes those tight junctions to spread apart uh, from a protein called zonulin. It's one of the only things that can turn that on. Um, so you know, that's kind of where you go if you do see autoimmunity. Um, Hashi's, you can look at TPOB, AB, um, and if that's elevated, um, high, then, you know, they're, they're, they're having some issues. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, so if someone's hypo, they usually need iodine in their diet. They're probably deficient in some other minerals and vitamins. Vitamin A is very important. Um, uh, tyrosine is really important. Amino acid has to, uh, combined with uh, iodine to make T3. Yep. Um, so, you know, you can add those things. We at New Ethics have gone ahead and done that for you with ThyroBoost. I take okay. it year round because I have a sluggish thyroid um, and it works wonders. Um, so that's how we attack that. Now, again, um, a lot of times gut, thyroid issues are a, are a, a symptom. They are not usually just in, in the people that clients that we will work with, they're not, they're not normally the cause. In other words, yeah. they don't just have a thyroid that's shitty. It's because their guts messed up a lot of times. And then, you know, the processes in the brain don't work. The brain and the gut really communicate. 
And remember all these hormones start in the brain, but when you have a bad poor gut digestion, you're not getting all the minerals you need. And then therefore a lot of times they're deficient in what they need um, for the thyroid. So as I'm fixing guts and I'm running my whole protocol to get people healthy, a lot of times I go ahead and just throw the thyroid boost in so we can get the extra support, get the thyroid movement. So then I can get the gut healed to get food running through and then can give all the anti-inflammatory type um, supplements like glutamine and different things and get everything working. So everything's tied together, um, you know, with our body. And that's kind of where the medical community falls short because, you know, you have gut specialists, you have a thyroid, you have a hormone specialist, you have all this, but the body communicates and all these things need to be looked at as a whole and as a picture rather than as a silo. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, some of the issues with Western medicine kind of fall short. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't use thyroboost, but I typically have myself and clients use some, they get tyrosine in some sort of thing, such as like chicken and stuff like that. Um, if they could digest it well, um, it all depends upon that first. And then I get iodine through, I mean, I make them use iodized salt. So it's one thing that if you're looking for at least diet hacks and you can't afford thyroboost, those are two diet hacks. I'm, what are some diet hacks I might work though to get at least some of the tyrosine and um, iodine in, if you have any. Iodine, I use, like you said, um, sea salt that's iodized. Um, that's like a staple on my program, no matter who it is. But, um, you know, if someone's coming back with a low thyroid, they're going to need more help than just uh, chicken and, and some iodized sea yeah. salt. Um, so I go right, you know, I, I aim to get quick, outcomes and if i'm going to get food up i got to get the thyroid working so i'm going thyroid boost all 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 day yeah awesome um and then how does how does sleep affect uh t3 and t and free and reverse t3 and all these types of different levels yeah so remember we talked about like sleep when, when lack of sleep causes an inflammation in the body over time and um when you're insulin resistant yep. that can <laughs> slow down um the thyroid but so can cortisol yeah. So, you know, sleep is one of those things where if you can fix that, a lot of these other problems will start to resolve some. Um, and then you can like start removing supplementation after you've kind of used it to kind of get all these processes going again. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's the whole point of this episode. If there wasn't a whole point, you literally kind of just described it right there in at least a hidden way. All these things are connected. Um, a lot of people think each different hormone is looked at as a different case right. when in all, if you solve one, you can actually, you might be able to solve most yes. of the others as well. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so that's good for the thyroid. And then I guess we're on to optimizing testosterone. Um, yeah. To give a little background to you, when I went to my coach, um, I got my blood work done back in... I want to say March, just because I felt something was wrong in my body and I wanted to get it checked out. So I talked to my doctor. Luckily, at least my doctor somewhat gave me a good blood work order. Um, and I came back with a two something, 200 something at 22 years old. Not, mm. not the best. Um, anything under 400, you start to feel the effects. Yeah, I was feeling shitty. And like real bad. Um, so let's talk about optimizing hormones. Um, yeah. What happens if testosterone is at least low for someone who, like myself, is natural? Yeah. Um, what would you, how would you look at it and what would you do? So let's say someone comes to me and they're in the 200s. You know, yeah. it's a male. Um, I'm going to look at estradiol. You know, it's possible because they're, they're conversely related. Yeah. So as estradiol goes up, testosterone a lot of time falls. I'm going to look at stress hormones like cortisol um, that can highly affect it. Um, I'm going to look at how someone's sleeping um, that can highly affect it too. Um, you know, if there's not a lot of problems in those areas, you know, and someone's just kind of, that's their deal. Um, I'm going to recommend HRT, but if they have those other issues, gut sleep, um, I'm going to try to fix all that and I'm going to just use some natural supplementation to try to bump their testosterone and see what we can do. Yeah. Um, I use a product called B vital. It's, um, it's pretty effective by biotics research. Um, one of my, uh, 
I'm on a podcast called the elite physique university. Yep. John Gorman just came out with um, a hormone optimizer um, that can help. Um, we just came out with jumpstart that can help. Um, it's got Humana Fort, which is known to help bring up hormones. But, you know, if, if doing those simple things like fixing, you know, sleep, um, you know, resetting insulin sensitivity, getting cortisol down, if all that doesn't bring it back up, I'm not opposed to HRT um, for, for any age, because, you know, once you've got all the other systems kind of rocking, if it's just not responding, um, there's no point in living like that. Yeah, that's why I was about to ask. Um, what's the benefits of using exogenous testosterone for TRT or HRT? Because yeah. a lot of people who, I mean, there's a lot of people who should get on it that aren't getting on it. So um, what's kind of the benefits? Yeah. So one other thing I do want to recommend, you know, on trying to spike it naturally is look at your fat intake. Um, the one time that I do recommend more of uh, inflammatory saturated type fats is when someone has low hormones. Um, so ways to get saturated fat, um, coconut oil, um, egg yolks, um, beef, um, animal, animal fat and, um, you know, things of that nature. And then I use heavy whipping cream with, in their shakes. So don't, don't, you know, look at your diet. If you're low fat dieter and you're natural, that could be a lot of your problem. And by getting those saturated fats in and then fixing all those other issues I talked about, you might get yours back up to 500 and be fine. But if, you know, so that was a, the missing piece I didn't talk about was you got to look at your fat intake as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, hormone replacement therapy, um, it's designed to put you at the top of normal. So the normal range on testosterone, it's crazy. It's like, it goes from 200 ish to 1100 ish, depending on the labs. Yeah. So it's designed to put you at 1100 and optimize it. Now, some doctors will just give like 80 milligrams a week or maybe a hundred and they put you at 600. My thing is, if you're going to stick a needle in your ass, you might as well be optimal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So give me the 200. Let's, let's be optimal. Let's build some fucking muscle. That's why you're in bodybuilding. Let's be optimal. Um, but you know, if that's putting you at 1600 and you want to make sure that you're not causing any issues, then back it down by all means and aim for that 1000 to 1100 number. Um, but the benefits are you're always going to be steady and you're always going to be at the, a good level to build muscle, to recover, to feel good, have good erections, have a good libido, have good recovery, all these different things. So, you know, it's going to immediately impact your life for the better. Um, it's just a matter of where do you want, where do you want your levels to be? And I'm a proponent of being optimal if you're going to do it. Yeah. And then last thing to touch on, uh, testosterone is dealing with, uh, the aromatization of testosterone in the estrogen. Before we go there, I do want to deal with women on HRT. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I get women who come to me and because they're, uh, you know, all their dieting history, maybe being on birth control too long, they have low testosterone. Yep. And, you know, the way I try to get that up is, um, you know, a lot of times they have estrogen dominance. So, you know, we'll use something called chase berry, like Pisomal. Um, that's going to bring up their progesterone. And, and, and I, we use our estricort and the estricort has dim, and that's going to help bring up their testosterone, but also release some of that estrogen dominance out. And as that releases, testosterone should, in theory, come up. If it doesn't, I use the B vital again with women. Yeah. Um, again, though, if women are our paramenopausal or already in menopause, their ovaries just aren't going to produce what they need. And yeah. then I have no problem with a woman going on HRT as well. I have plenty that I recommend it to. And a good dosing there is about 10 milligrams of testosterone a week. And right. I recommend going five milligrams Monday and Thursdays and then running your labs. I don't like a woman anything higher than 100. Women total test goes from like, uh, it's really crazy. It's like 0.01 to 45. So yeah. <laughs> point two, and the doctor like, Oh, you're fine. No, no, you're not. No. Um, but it goes up to 45 and I don't like to see anything higher than a hundred. I really prefer you right at 45. Um, but, um, women need testosterone too. It is not just a male hormone. So let's get that very clear. It's going to do the same thing for them. Libido, um, better feed efficiency, better recovery, um, just better mood, all those different things that does for a man. It's just the dose is a 10th of, um, of what men need. Now, while we're on that, um, what signs are you looking for in blood work that shows that they are estrogen dominant? Um, yeah, so this one gets really high for coaches out there. Really high estradiol level yeah, so and stuff like that. You're going to look at estradiol. Um, 
that's the main uh, estrogen hormone for women premenopause and in their you know childbearing years. Um, so a lot of coaches and just you know competitors and, and whoever you know just dieters get this wrong. They think that if to be estrogen dominant, you have to have an H you know high clinically next to your estradiol. That's not true. Um, if your progesterone is bottomed out, and uh, when I see women's labs who are in this sport we're talking 0 0.1, 0 0.2 on progesterone. And it should be around 10 to 12 in their luteal phase. And that's when you need to test. Yeah. Um, and if they're 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, I don't care what their estradiol is, they're, they're estrogen dominant. And the way you run the formula is, you'll, they'll probably have to listen to this back, but it's pretty easy. You take the progesterone number times a thousand, divide that by the estradiol number. If it's under 100, you're estrogen dominant. The lower it is, the worse it is. So you really want to be between 100 and 200. And then you've got nice balance between progesterone and estradiol. If a woman's at 70 and she no longer has symptoms, I don't keep dicking around with it. But you know, if they're in the twenties or lower, they're usually going to see more acne on their face. They're going to be normally more anxious. Um, they're going to have that weird distribution of weight where it starts to look more like the middle-aged woman where it's, you know, around the, right under the belly button, um, butt, hips, all that. Um, so to truly understand estrogen dominance, it's two things. It's either a really, really low progesterone to estradiol ratio, or your estradiol will have an H. But in, in physique sports, I might see out of 100 lab work, 100 labs, two women with an H next to their estradiol. It's just not happening. We're seeing women just with no real hormones and the progesterone bottomed out. And that's why they don't have a period. You got to have that to ovulate. Right. Um, and so I bring that up with rest, fixing gut, fixing sleep, chase Barry and our estricort. And I can usually get people back in balance and asymptomatic. I might not get them to a hundred, but if someone's at 70 and they're asymptomatic, I I'm good. Yeah. How long does it typically at least take for you to help. I mean, this is definitely person dependent. Yeah, it is. Um, but how four long? Eight typically, months. Uh, eight four months. Four okay. to eight months. Yeah. And, and then, then after eight months, you know, we start to have the HRT conversation. If progesterone just isn't coming up, um, you know, I'll talk about prescription progesterone, which at two hundred milligrams a, a week is a, a day is pretty good. Um, anywhere from one hundred to two hundred milligrams. Um, and we'll have the conversation of, you know, the low test um, dosing of, you know, anywhere from five milligrams to 10 milligrams a week. We'll have those conversations if their body is just not coming, coming back. Yeah. And then I guess, cause we didn't tell about uh, optimal test levels, what would be at least optimal test levels? Cause I was talking one. with, I mean, you might say 400 is okay. Um, or normal, at least for someone who's 22, like that might be low. Men, men, but, that's way too yeah. high for a woman. Yeah, for men. Um, so what would be at least the optimal range for men for testosterone? You mean women? We already talked about. Oh, did men, we talk? I want them at 1100. I mean, I, I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take HRT, I want you at 1100. If you're okay. gonna not take HRT, you need at least be over 400 to not have symptoms. Okay. Yeah. So you want to at least get above 400. If you're taking the natural route and just using like DIM and, you know, diaspartic acid and deer antler and all the things that I kind of recommended, then I want you to be over 400. Okay. And then what about women? You said women, the range for total test goes from like 0.1 to 45. Um, I can usually get them to 45 with the, with the B vital and then doing all the other things, you know, okay. resting or feeding them up, fixing progesterone, all those different things. I can usually get them to about 45 with that product. Awesome. Um, anything else that we didn't cover that might be very necessary to, um, cover before we get going? Well, it's important to, with a lot of these clients that have these issues to look at their detoxification system and flush them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'm removing gluten, I'm removing dairy, I'm removing alcohol. Okay. And then I use our Metapure. It's, it's a, it's, we don't have it certified as a medical food, but it is indeed a medical food. Okay. And, um, but again, we don't have it certified, uh, but it, it, it's that intense of a product and that will open up the phase one and phase two detoxification systems so that you can get that estrogen out because estrogen leaves the body that way. But a lot of these clients will come to you with high liver enzymes, they're estrogen dominant. Um, you know, they might have a lot of ferritin, 
And all that is detoxification issues. So we open that up and I'll leave them on Metapure. I'll do two scoops while we're detoxing for 14 days, but then I'll leave them on one scoop just because it covers so many vitamin and minerals and it's such an anti-inflammatory product. It also improves insulin sensitivity because it brings inflammation down so much. So the, part of my process is to flush for the first 14 days. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so first off, I want to say thank you for coming on again. No um, before we get going, you know, last time we did same three, I mean, we'll kind of just kind of summarize this one. What three points do you think people should leave with today? If anything yeah. that they can at least take actionable steps on. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do and spend your money on to obviously fix things, but off the bat, get you sleep, get yourself sleeping, right. Get yourself digesting, right. And, um, you know, pull your, pull your training back. If you're having issues, start there. So look at your digestion, look at your sleep and pull back the stress by doing less cardio and less training. And in conjunction with that feeding up, that will start a lot of the processes without adding a ton of supplementation. You might need supplements to get to the, the end goal, but that alone will help start allowing your body to heal. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then, well, I guess we went into three books or podcasts that we did in the last episode. So no reason to go into that again. Um, where can, uh, where can people find you? Um, yeah. if they want to, I mean, we went over in the last episode, but people might be yeah, it's always good to plug so, it in. So, so where can people find you? Instagram is a good one. Uh, Scooby prep, uh, one underscore IFBB pro. It's always good to add me, um, before you send me a message, because a lot of that goes to that other folder and I'm terrible with that. If you really want to get a fast answer from me, Jason at Scooby prep.com. Don't even mess with DM and me because if we're not friends, it's going to go to that folder and I might not get it. Yeah. Um, Scooby, I went Jason, through that. <laughs> yeah. Jason at scoobyprep.com. The other way to get me is just go to our website, scoobyprep.com, and you can fill out the form there and then request me as the coach. And then that gets forwarded to me. But I also have a team of eight other great coaches, um, you know, ranging in prices and, um, you know, we're, we're willing and ready to help on all these issues or even just physique goals or if you're a general nutrition client just wanting to lose fat. Awesome. Or gain um, muscle. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, if you guys did enjoy this episode, which there is a lot of information in it, yeah. and if you need to go back, definitely go back, take your time to go through it. But if you enjoyed it, definitely screenshot it, tag uh, Jason and I, yeah. put it on your Instagram stories. We'll share the love back. Um, and if you do, by any chance, go down to Apple and leave a five-star review on this podcast because it helps me get guests like Jason back on the show and get any other guests to kind of expand the knowledge uh, for this show. So everybody, uh, Jason, thank you for coming on. And everybody, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Ace of Spada podcast.